Hey everybody, welcome to the Recourse Podcast. I'm your host, TA. Today in the library, my friend Bert Anderson is here. She is the author of the book, Me Before Mom. And our conversation was focused on how she came to the point in her parenting motherhood journey to write this book and how life has evolved and now the different stage of motherhood that she is in. It's an interesting, challenging, and encouraging conversation, and I, I know you're going to enjoy this. So let's jump right in with Bert. All right, my favorite part of the whole podcast, which is the way we always start by saying, how do we know each other? Just <laughs> super awkward when you first meet somebody, but mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah, at least we've talked on the phone before. That is true. That yes. does make a big difference. It does make a huge difference. <laughs> Not just this random person, you know. That's right. And we were lucky enough to be connected through our friend Katie. Yes. So mm-hmm. she's sweet. And we had, um, if people listening have heard, there was an episode with her. She shared about her infertility. And she's just amazing and was willing to share her life. But I'm so happy that she gave me your name and that we've been able to connect. And then I was super excited because... You have been on this amazing journey where you are sharing about your life in motherhood. Mm-hmm. So tell me your background. How did you get up to that point? Yeah, from beginning to end. Yeah. Well, I was in born like two minutes. No, in two minutes. 19. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Um, so let's see. So my so I knew when like I graduated from college. I was in the corporate world. My husband and I had a plan that I was going to stay at home with the kids. The whole time. So when I had my firstborn, my son, Brennan, um, I was surprised by how, not unfulfilled, I felt, but there's like no job reveal, you know, nobody is patting you on the back yeah. to tell you you're doing a good job that your child has survived that yeah. day. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Or, or that what you said didn't ruin, isn't going to ruin the rest of their lives. Right, right. Yeah. Or, no, con- I feel like that. you know, congratulations. Like, yeah. they didn't spit up so yeah. much yeah. today. Um, and so I kind of was, and I was also, like, going through postpartum depression and didn't know it at the time. And so I just kind of felt, like, lost. And because I felt lost, I also felt guilty that I wasn't into scrapbooking. It was 2009, 2008, 2009. And Everybody scrapbooked at the time. I'm not a scrapbooker. Mm-hmm. No, you're not either. Actually, if you just look behind you, there is a whole hey. scrap. I'm such a scrapbooker, but I totally know what you're talking but about. It was a cultural thing. It of like, was. And especially here in the Midwest, it was like, here's creative memories right out of the yes. cloud, and everybody has to do it. Right. And if you're not taking those memories, they'll be gone forever. I know. So I totally understand what you're saying. Yes, and, that's, and I applaud people who are arts and crafty. Sure. Great. I am artsy with my words. <laughs> Yes. Skill sets in other ways. Yes. I just, I just can't do it with a scrapbook. So, um, I had a neighbor who had a blog, um, because she had family from far away. And so she was telling me that she had found some service where she could like print off her blogs. Oh yeah. I don't even remember what it was. Um, but she was like, you know, it's just a way I'm going to like keep track of the, the memories that we make instead of like scrapbooking. And I was like, oh, that is a great idea. That is a great idea. (laughs) I will do that as well. And so I kind of just like dabbled with that a little bit. And then I've always wanted to be a writer. Mm -hmm. I've always loved writing. And so it kind of just turned into this thing where it it just fueled this creative need that I needed um, and stuff. And so um, then what happened? (laughs) So... That's like 2009, 2010. Okay. Go back and forth, writing on the blog for fun. Yeah. Keeping my family up to date. And then every once in a while, I'll write something that's moving. And people will be like, oh my gosh, that's so good. Blah, blah, blah. Um, but nothing is happening on. But this is like right when blogging is getting started. Sure. Yeah. I always like to point that out because a lot of people, I think, look at like like my career and where I am now. And they're like, oh my gosh. And it's like, no, you don't understand. Like I got in at the right time. Yeah. It wasn't a just a... Turn a switch. No. Overnight success. So yeah. Like a, you had a quite a journey to get there. Yes. It was a very slow build. And that's okay. Yeah. Yeah. Because things take time. So um, when I was pregnant with my second, it was 2011, and I had, I cloth diapered all three of my kids. Yes. You were a brave woman. <laughs> I said that, and I know so many women who have done that. I'm like, oh, that was not, that was not 
not my journey. <laughs> I, yeah. Um, my husband's an accountant. And so of course, like with our oh, first yeah. one, he sat down and figured out with a spreadsheet. I was like, you see a master spreadsheet? Yeah. That like sounds how, like mine. Yep. how much money we would save if we clocked hybrid. And I was like, okay, okay, fine, we'll do it. They are very cute and they're actually not that hard. So yeah. Um, but I had written a blog post on how to re-waterproof your cloth diapers. Okay. And I, at the time, so I had like, I had set up a business email. I didn't even know what I was doing with this. I was like, oh, we'll just do this. Maybe I can make something of it. I don't know. So I put in the email, I had like a signature to my blog and it would just populate most recent posts. And so I had done this, you know, blog post. And I had written to a cloth diaper blogger because I had a question about some China-made cheapies, is what they call them. Like kind of knockoffy kind of things? Yes. Or, okay. Yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and so she, so I wrote to her and asked her the question, and then she wrote back, um, but she had read my blog, and then she had read other things, and she was like, you know, by the way, like, have you thought about doing this full-time? Because you really should, you know? And I was like, oh, well, I've always wanted to be a writer, yeah. You know, and so her name is Julie Clark. I always talk about her because she really like took me under her wing and like gave me my start. Um, like helped me design my blog and like she ended up hiring me. She um, was a social media manager for a bunch of different cloth diaper retailers. And at the time, in order to build SEO, you had to have blogs and you had to have blog posts. Sure. And so Julie had a handful of retail stores that she was doing stuff for, and she couldn't keep up with like writing blogs. So she hired me to write blogs for her. So, and I just wanted to get my name out there, and I just wanted to have a byline. Yeah. Um, so I got paid $12, $12 a blog. Hey, that could, that could add up if you're, you're doing enough. Yes, I know, exactly. Yeah. And I didn't even care. I just wanted the exposure. Yeah. That's all I wanted. I mean, that's life, isn't it? Like, you got to mm-hmm. get, the more experience you get, the be- it's like the next thing builds to the next thing builds yes. to the next thing. And just having the bravery to do the first thing yes. it can really start that domino effect. Mm-hmm. And I think, like, kids today, young kids, they, on- they only see the after product and, like, the success. And they think, like, yes, this is exactly where I'm just going to start out. And it's like, no, no. Well, yeah. Well, I think because our culture glorifies that. Like, think mm-hmm. of, like, TikTok stars who didn't do anything, made one video that blew up mm-hmm. or became viral, and then now it's their identity versus, mm-hmm. I mean, the likelihood of that happening for anybody is oh, it's so minuscule. So it's, like, the yeah. work that you have to put in. Or I always think about it, the 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 young couples, because my husband and I are uh, marriage uh, uh, mentors or, like, coaches or whatever. Yeah. Um, the young couples who, like, want to go buy a, you know, four-bedroom home <laughs> right after they get married, we're going, no, not the wise. Like, hey, the markets are B. It's like, that's not, you know, but it's the, I know that's a goal. You'll get, and you'll get there. Right. But you don't have to start there. But that's hard because we do instant gratification culture or whatever you want to say. But, yeah, they see it that way, too, where people have yeah. done those things. and. Mm-hmm. I know, exactly. So, so yeah, so that's how, so I got into writing there, and then um, I became aware of that Disney, like the company, did press trips. So, Disney would choose 20, I say that quote-unquote, of their top mom bloggers or family bloggers that Uh they would pick to go on, like, press trips for things like Marvel movies, Pixar movies, things like that. Yeah. Um, so there was one PR guy, actually his name is Marshall Weinbaum, and he got uh, publicist of the year this last year, well-deserving man. Uh-huh. Um, and he was the one who kind of like, it was his program that he did. So he had a bunch of different like criteria of like, here's what I'm looking for in order for you to kind of achieve this level where I consider you. Okay. So... I had something to shoot for then. Yeah. So at the time, I think it was, I needed to have 6,000 followers on Instagram. Um, the Alexa score. Do you even well, know do, what I don't even know Alexa score. Is that like, what, like literally the Alexa that's like, no. Like, no, okay. So. I'm like, is this a Google thing? <laughs> it kind of was. Okay. It was weird. So it was a way of, it, it was like a ranking system for the internet and for a website. Okay. So, um, the lower the score, the more relevant the website was. However, 
if you didn't have your website registered with the Alexa system, you wouldn't be on there anyways. Anyway, so okay. it was kind of like not very good. But a lot of publicists and PR companies and brands used it when they would vet like bloggers okay. and stuff. Mm-hmm. But one of the things you would do is you would go like um, in the olden days, we had like groups where people would put in like, we called them like blogger chores. So I'd go in and I'd be like, it would be an Alexa group. So I'd go in and I'd put my um, blog in there and then I would do everybody else in that post. And what I would do is I would click on their website, let it load, then I would go to one of their yep. <laughs> links, yep. let the whole thing load and sit there for a little bit, and then I would exit out. Sure, so that you're kind of getting the points as like yes. the tick mark. I get it. Yep. Yep. That yep. makes sense. Yeah. So it was very tedious. Yep. Mm-hmm. But that's that's how the systems work. And you gotta play yeah. in the system that you yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So um, so and I bring this all up because that is so I finally got chosen to go on one of his trips, and so. Um, and it really was because I had a friend who had gone on a trip before me and I think he must have asked about me. And, um, so I was like fresh in his mind and stuff. And so, um, I was like a last minute addition to the jungle book. Oh, press trip. Yeah. Mm -hmm. But if you're in, I was like, I don't care. Yes. You're in. Mm -hmm. Yep. I'm in. I'll do it. 100%. Um, and then that kind of like at the time my blogs, like. A lot of people were Google searching, like, is the Jungle Book safe for kids? Oh, sure. Yeah. So I had a, I had all of my reviews that I had written for this press trip were geared for that. So I was ranking high in Google. Um, and that's how... Did, I don't know if you... I was on the Harry Connick yeah, show. Yeah, so that's yeah. how they found me. Okay. Because they were looking at mom bloggers in Minnesota. Yeah. Why Minnesota? Because he had done a show here. Oh, what was his show based in Minnesota? No, he oh. did a concert. He did a concert here in Minnesota. Okay, yes. got it. Yeah, so he did a concert here in Minnesota yeah. and then was just going to film. Yeah. Yeah. That makes sense. Yeah. Oh, so then they wanted local... They wanted a local family. That's amazing. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, so mine pulled up. And at first when the producers emailed me, they were just looking to see if I would, like, help them find somebody. Mm-hmm. And I was like, sure, I'll post it on my, like, website. But I love Harry Connick Jr. too. Like, I mean, I'm great for this. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. And I had no idea. They were like, you know, he's just, he has a fall TV show and he just wants to do some fun segments. And I was like, okay. Um... And so they were like, well, can we call you? And I was like in the middle of leaving my daughter's ballet class. And I had, my son was like going into first grade. My daughter was two, almost two actually. The youngest was almost two. Kendall was almost five. It was chaos. It was chaos. And I'm trying to talk to these producers from New York City. Like just normal everyday stuff. I know. And they're asking me questions. And then at one point, like when I finally got home... (laughs) I ran into the bathroom and locked the door because I'm like, this is where I can talk. But then I like freaked out in my mind and I'm like, oh, they're going to hear the echo and they're going to know that I'm in a bathroom. <laughs> <laughs> so is that what goes to your head where you're like, I, just, I wasn't even prepared. I don't know. Why, I don't, why, yeah. why, why am I in here? But I need to get away from these, these children. Yeah. yeah. And so I said to them, I was like, um, so I'm, I'm in a bathroom right now. If you hear an echo, I'm not going to the bathroom. <laughs> I'm just trying to get away from my children. <laughs> so, um, so yeah, so then, you know, one thing led to another, and I thought we were auditioning for the show when they came to our house, and uh-huh. they set everything up through my husband, and he knew the entire time what was happening. Yeah. And I had just... no idea when Harry knocked on my door. And he was like, hi! I was like, you're here! <laughs> I've been like, you didn't warn me. My house is just. I didn't oh, even take yeah. a shower that That's day. That's why, like, I just feel like, oh no. My house was very clean. Because you were prepared for people to no, pee. No, it wasn't me. It was Ben, my oh. husband. <laughs> like, the, wasn't that was that a tip off at all? No, because oh, okay. we also were finishing our basement. Okay. And Ben is very meticulous. Okay. And stuff. And I was like, Ben, they don't care what our house looks like. They're just filming us because we're, we're like trying out, and they want us to be real family. And I'm not going to get. I'm not folding these clothes, and I'm not cleaning up. And he's thinking, 
Oh, yeah, you need to. I know. So he stayed up until like 2 or 3 in the morning. <laughs> I need producers to come to my house, <laughs> That's going to keep my husband up till 3. I know, no, right? And I was like, oh. I know, I'm like, oh, I'm so sorry that I didn't. He was like, he's like, well, I, I knew for sure then that you had no idea <laughs> what was going good. on. That's a good thing. And when you woke up in the morning late and overslept and didn't take a shower, I for sure, I was like, well, you should have told me to get up. Yeah, get up, get in the shower, let's get, you know, let's make a good impression. Oh my <laughs> I gosh, know, I know. Ugh. Can't believe it, but that's yeah, okay. But that's so authentic, and that's just who's <laughs> very it's good. It's good. It's, it's very good. who I am. Yeah. But that's a, that's what they want, you know. Yes. And that's what people we like that part. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So that's fun. That's a great story. <laughs> I didn't know that. <laughs> yes. So that's that. Meanwhile, while all of that was happening, so this was in 2016. Um. So it was like a great time of my life. Yeah. But my best friend, um was in the middle of going through a divorce. Mm. Well, she was in the middle of separating. Um, and it was a complete blindside. I mean, she was blindsided by yeah. it. She yeah. had no idea it was coming. Um, she had been married for 20 years. She had been, you know, she had been at home for 16 years and devoted everything yeah, to her is, yep. husband and her kids. And so I, you know, walked alongside of her through that, um, and watched everything. And, you know, I have, it's a blessing that I have like older friends that I've been able to watch them go through motherhood before me. So I've been able to be like, take notes like, Oh, okay. Um, and I remember like her saying how much she wished that she had taken the time to, like focus on herself and remember who she was during her motherhood journey. So she wouldn't be starting from scratch after like, you know, after 16 years. Yeah. I think that's one of the, one of the things that, um, I've talked to a lot of friends about that whole idea. We talk about it, I think more in the terms of marriage of like making sure you're taking time to cultivate and continue a firm foundation in your marriage. Because the goal for me is, or for my husband and I is, our goal is for our kids to be independent and leave us. Like we want them to be successful Mm -hmm. human beings outside of this house. Mm -hmm. And that's the position we're in now is to raise them to be at that point. But the recognition is they're going to leave. So then that means we need to. And so we, like I said, we talk about it in marriage of like, we need to still want to be around each other and like each other and have Mm -hmm. all those moments and not just put a pause on us until they leave. So I love that idea of it's the same thing for me as a female, because there isn't a guarantee my husband will be here when mm-hmm. they leave. Like, what if something happened to him or what if, you know, circumstances change? And so that's such a great thought that we do sometimes, even within our mm-hmm. own marriages, put that in a context of I'll still sit behind or I'll put others mm-hmm. first or put that. It's so, it's it's yeah. just part of being a woman. It's who we are. Yeah. Do you think that's cultural or generational or? I kind of feel like it's just how we're wired. Yeah. yeah. I mean, if you think about it, like we carry life within us. Mm. We sustain life outside that first year. Yeah. Um, I mean, the supernatural things that women are able to do when their children are threatened. Yeah. Yeah. That biological connection. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's just the, I I never realized how selfish I was until I became a mom. Mm, yeah. I like, you said this in your book and I just have to say it because I think that's something that I do, just know I didn't do enough. It's that whole idea of every time you're around your parents, you're like, I'm sorry. Yes. <laughs> I get it now and I'm sorry and I'm a million things I should have. Sorry. I'm sorry. I'm or sorry. I get it now. I get it now. So or at least sorry. I get a glimpse of it now. Yeah. So. Yep. Mm-hmm. I do. Yeah. Yeah. I, yeah. I spent the whole week with them last week and I, I think I did apologize. I'm like, if I haven't told you and they're like Elizabeth because they... You know, Beth, Elizabeth, that's what they call me. They're like, yeah, we, we, we know, we, we forgive you. <laughs> because, I mean, you're going to, we'll feel the same way if our children mm-hmm. are blessed to have their own children. But that feeling of like, yeah, I just, I never knew. You never you knew what know. sacrifices your parents are constantly making, mm-hmm. the money, the time, the energy, that whole idea of like mm-hmm. sleep is just now, um, I saw a really funny uh, post this morning actually that was, 
Um, have you ever plugged your phone in at night and then when you wake up you realize that the plug wasn't actually plugged into the wall? Uh, That's what parenthood feels like at yes. times. And you're like, I feel like I'm charging. I'm like, I'm trying to get charged, yes. but you're not plugged yes. into like the main source of like, yeah. mm-hmm. oh, I tried. Yes. <laughs> it still didn't work. Yeah. That's what parenthood feels like a lot of times. Mm-hmm. I think I read, I read a quote that said something like, um, something like motherhood or true love in motherhood is um, my mom giving up the last piece of pumpkin pie and then saying, I never liked pie anyway. Yeah. And you knowing that she loves pumpkin pie. Loves pumpkin pie. Because she has pumpkin spice lattes all the time. Yes. Yes. No, that is true. And Mm -hmm. you do do that stuff for like, you know, there's, we, um, one of the things my kids and I have is we have gum in the car all the time. And so Mm -hmm. it's like, they'll be like, if they're gum, it's like, oh, yep. And then you go and you're like, oh, no, there's only three pieces and there's four of us. Well, guess who's not getting the gum? You know, it's like, you know, as a parent, you're going, mm-hmm. okay. Or you do the, there was one time it was like two pieces of gum and there was, you know, four of us. I was like, I guess nobody's getting gum because I can't equally distribute nope. amongst mm-hmm. the kids. But you're going, yeah, that, as a parent, there's all those pieces that you didn't realize that your parents did for you. And... Yeah. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, there are some things I'm not going to share, like peanut M&Ms. I'm not sharing them. And that's okay. But those And are, that is okay. Yeah. I think you're getting that point, like, in your book and what you're coming to in life is that where is the boundaries in that? Like, I think as moms, we can, you know, there's times when it's appropriate to be um, sacrificial in our love, that there's times, too, that that can be so detrimental that you're setting your kids up for failure as you well. You are. You 100% are. And I feel like for yourself... If you take a back seat so much, it it just breeds resentment and bitterness if if you just continually take a back seat. Yeah. Because that's not life and you're not happy that way. Um, eventually something is gonna give. And that's when you have these huge blow up moments, yeah. you know. That seemed to come out of nowhere, but it, it's not coming out of nowhere. Chances are the person, like mom, has been feeling belittled, yeah, you know, and lost for years. Oh my gosh, like Plathville. Have, do you, have you seen the Plathville? Welcome to Plathville. Uh, no. Oh, it's on okay. TLC. It's, a, it's one of those, like, quiverful families, like, okay. you know. But the mom, it's a little controversial, but the mom is, I, I don't know if she's actually divorced, but she separated from the dad. Um, and she kind of said like, she just felt like she was underappreciated and he kind of took her for granted because they have a ton of kids and they homeschool and she does everything. And, and he, he handled it very well in that he started to look at things and see like, like, wow, like I, she's lost is, is what she said. Basically she feels lost and she doesn't know who she is anymore. Um, and so that. For me, me before mom, is not wanting to, you know, look in the mirror when Kira, my youngest, has graduated and left and say to myself, like, I don't, I don't know what to do yeah. with the rest of my time. I don't right. know who I am. I don't know what I like. Like, what is my purpose? Um, and I don't want to look at Ben, my husband, and be like, I, why do we like each other? Right. I, I just think that they're, the call for balance in that is so important. And I think that pendulum can so easily swing either way. Mm-hmm. And that's where it's one of the things you talk about a lot in the book is the need for community or having those people around you. Because I think that's who helps refine those pieces when you can become too independent. Like I know for me, my husband has, he knows I'm the social one. I'm the outgoing. Yeah. I got to get out. I got to do stuff. I can't just be at home all the time. But I can take that too far where it's like, I'm playing volleyball. I'm mm-hmm. out at do, volunteering at church. I have a Bible study. I have all these other pieces. Um, yep. All of a sudden, I'm doing so many things like, this is the fourth night that you're not yes. home for dinner. And it's like, okay, so then I got to reel it yep. in. But mm-hmm. then the same thing, I can pull it the other way too far where it's like, oh, two, three weeks will go by and Matt's like, you need to leave. You mm-hmm. need to get out of the house. Right. So it's like that you need those people to constantly give you that refinement. Yes. Mm-hmm. And our, our kids have to learn that they are not the center of the universe. Yeah. Because they aren't. No, nope, I agree. It, and and oh, it is a yeah. rude awakening when you get into real life and you're not the center of the well, world. Well, but that is such an it sounds so funny to say it this way, but that is such a alternative message from society too of like they're just taught too like your emotions and mm-hmm. your feelings and how you feel and that what you want right now is the most, you deserve this. You 
you've done everything, you know, like Mm -hmm. there's something about our culture today. It's also telling our kids, no, no, but what you want and what you do is the most important thing, which I think is a positive thing to an extent. Again, I just feel like the pendulum has maybe swung too far on that, that my, I don't want my kids to feel like, but when you're on a team, you're a team, you're not by yourself and you can't, my son's in the musical theater. Your part might not be the main part, but you're still important. Yeah. And I don't want you to not feel important, but you also, if you don't show up on stage on time mm-hmm. or you turn left instead of right, you run into the other people in that dance, mm-hmm. you're going to screw everybody up. So you have to take ownership of being as important as everybody else and doing your part. So it's not just about you. It isn't. It isn't. Yeah. My, one of my kids was having a hard time. Um, she had a bad day at school or something like that. And my husband and I were on vacation. We went on a cruise to celebrate our 40th birthdays. Yes. It was very nice. I would recommend that. Um, (laughs) um, but he was talking to her and he said, cause she was just in a bad mood and making everybody around her miserable. And he was like, I understand that you are having a bad day, but you don't need to make everybody else have a bad day. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Yep. Yeah. And, and I was like, Oh, touche. Yeah. Good job. That's good. good. And it's, I think something, um, when we were growing up, those things weren't expressed to us. Um, a girlfriend and I talk about this a lot. I feel like, um, our parents were good about letting us know that this wasn't okay. Like mm-hmm. that, you know what? You're having a bad mood. Stop. Mm-hmm. But the part that I feel like, um, uh, the generation before us was not great about, and I shouldn't generalize, but that second part of, and here's why. Right. They the didn't explain why, the yeah. why. And mm-hmm. it was just the stop doing this. And unacceptable so, behavior. Yes. Well, why is it unacceptable? Like, is it unacceptable all the time? Because I remember getting in trouble for, I have a very loud voice, mm-hmm. very boisterous, very hyper energetic person, especially as a kid, and felt like I got in trouble a lot as a kid because I was just loud and going off. Right. And I don't feel like it was necessarily wrong to do that in the right settings and so like there were times when that was glorified and like friends like that or in theater or at school or in Mm -hmm. band or whatever those moments when you're appreciated for doing that same thing right and then other times when you're vilified because we're in public or at at an aunt's house or something like and that's appropriate to be like you know what this isn't the you know you're inside or with so-and-so or whatever there's a different Mm -hmm. way you should you know, right. Thoughtful. And so it's like, that's what, what the way he said that mm-hmm. just chef's kiss. Perfect. Yes. Good job. <laughs> Good job. Good job. So yeah. So that's kind of like, that's kind of where everything yeah. is like, you know, right now. Yeah. And so, but you're moving into this whole new phase because the book started, you know, as you were processing with babies yes. and, and having postpartum and I things know. like that. I need to like make an update. I just like, what's book two? Like, what are we getting? Like, but tell me, what do you consider this phase to be right now? Now that your kids are in that late elementary middle school area. Yeah. So this is the executive assistant stage of parenting. I love that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, because let's be real. Our children are our bosses. <sighs> They do. I mean, think about managing five people's schedules all the time. All the time. All the time. All the time. Mm -hmm. And, like, the perfect example of this is last summer my daughter was running late and I was getting her to um, this youth athletic program. And I filled up her water bottle. I did not put ice in it, heaven forbid. (laughs) She took a drink of it and she was like, where's the ice? And I felt like I was in the devil wears Prada. And I was like, <laughs> really? The steak isn't, isn't well done enough. I know, right? <laughs> yeah. I'm like, oh, gosh. But, I mean, it's, they, you know, mm-hmm. I, I live by my Google calendar that's yeah. color-coded. And I have a paper calendar on the refrigerator for everybody else to read. You know, and like I have alarms set on my phone so I know when to leave. Yeah, no, that's fair. (laughs) For places. And Mm -hmm. I I remember feeling like when my kids were younger that life was crazy. But the older my children get, the more directions you're being pulled. Whereas when they were younger, I got to kind of pick what we were doing. Now that they're like, well, I want to audition for this. Or I want to play this sport. Or I want to hang out with these people. Or I got invited to this thing. And it's like okay, well, that's over in Blaine, and then that's back in Elk mm-hmm. River, and then this one's in St. Michael, and we're, who's the where, and my husband's in, yeah. uh, works at Anoka, and we're, where are we doing? We're all over. It is, yeah. and, and that's just, and 
Yeah, I remember feeling the same way too. And I had a neighbor um, when we, we first moved to Rogers who was farther ahead in parenting than I was. Um, and I remember saying to her like, oh, it must be so nice, you know, because her kids were in high school. She had a son who was graduating and she had a daughter who was in middle school. I was like, it must be so nice to like be where you're at, you know, and they can like be on their own and do things. And she was like, she's like, you know what? It's It's not actually. She's like, it is just as stressful and just as busy. It's just different than where you are right now. Yeah. She's like, right now you are physically in it and it's physically demanding because they physically depend on you for everything. But when they get older, it's emotionally and mentally exhausting. I thought I would think it's the mental part of it. Of yes. Caring where your kids are when you're seeing them less mm-hmm. and feeling like, am I connecting with them in the same way? Are they sharing? Am I bring out the best in them? Am I helping them? Mm-hmm. Like those are the stages where you have to start like allowing them that ability to fail forward. Yes. And it's like, oh, but what if? I know. <laughs> I know but what if? And mm-hmm. ah, yeah, I'm not there yet because my daughter's only 12, but I'm You're still. Like, and, and like when they want to talk is always at the worst time. Oh yeah. Yeah. They, my, we want to talk oh. at like 11 30 at night, my almost 14 year old son. And I'm like, why are you not in bed? <laughs> Can we just go to bed? Yeah. Our, my husband and I are joking about this because our 12 year old, she's going to kill me when I tell this story, but my husband and I were like, uh, Sunday after church, we were laying in bed just on the phone TikToking because we might have a little problem with hey, the TikTok. Hey, at least you do it <laughs> together. <laughs> we do. Um, and she just comes and she just lays on the bed with us now. Mm-hmm. And it's, I think it's a, she's at the stage where she doesn't want to hang out with the little kids anymore. She definitely wants to get where the adults are. Yes. And she doesn't have TikTok, so she's maybe hoping to see where, mm-hmm. you know, joke around with us or whatever. But it's just funny that she's like, there's moments when she wants to be near us because I think she wants to feel older. And then there's other days where, like, she could care. Like, don't talk to me. I don't want to be yes. in your presence or anywhere near you. And you're like, mm-hmm. oh, you're, you're turning into this teenager already. Mm-hmm. Like, but it's funny how she just swings back and forth now. And we're going, this is, this is where this we're is, headed. This is where we are. Yeah. This is yeah. the stage of life we're in. And yes. So it's like mentally, like, who am I getting today? What's, mm-hmm. are you, like. Are we going to be sweet? Yes. Or are we going to be salty? Yes. And she's not super salty yet, but she definitely has moments. She's very much like my husband, which is nice and easy to navigate um, because she just kind of needs to be alone. Like she's just an mm-hmm. alone bird where she's like, I'm good. I'm going to go hang out. Okay, good. You go mm-hmm. bye by yourself. My middleman is just like me. He's so like just emotionally has to out loud process, has to talk a lot. And then our youngest is adopted. So we're still figuring it out. Oh, <laughs> we'll get there. We'll figure out what he needs and how it's to help gonna him. It's going to be like a, yeah. like a, you know flip the coin like yeah coin toss <laughs> so i'll figure it out it'll happen eventually but he's young he's good for now <laughs> he's he's the perfect one right now he is and he's got a good attitude all the time he does he's <laughs> just one of those kids that's just like <laughs> loves life loves people it's all good that's awesome so what is some of the things in the executive assistant phase that have thrown you for a loop that have been hard to manage um i think trying to figure out times to like schedule my own time sure especially connecting with friends yeah um because so I have like my routine and I work out in the morning and I have gym friends there Mm -hmm. and they're awesome but I also have friends you know from church I have like girlfriends and stuff um and so often it is hard to maintain those friendships because all of us are going in you know five different directions all the time yeah Um, And this is why, you know, parents get so close on kids' sports teams because you're together all the time. And it's very easy because, you know, friendship, one of the things is proximity in friendship. That's unfortunate, too. It is. It is unfortunate. And this is another thing, you know, my old next-door neighbor used to say was, she's like, yeah, like, I I never talk to these people anymore because our kids aren't on the same sports team. Mm. You know? Yeah. Yeah. But it's, it's the way... Life goes. Life, that life goes. Ebb and flows. Yeah. yeah. Uh-huh. It's good and bad because you like you get new and but mm-hmm. miss some of that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So um, I think that's kind of like the hardest thing is being able to maintain the friendships that were very easy to maintain when my kids were younger and I was the one who was in charge of everything. Yeah. Um, that has been the hardest thing. Has it been? more do you feel more selfish now or do you feel more I shouldn't say selfish guilt 
when you take time now than when you did when they were younger? Yeah. For some... I don't know. I don't know if it's because they're, like, self-sufficient now. And so I feel like, like, because I'm not physically needed. Mm -hmm. And plus, like, they rely on me more, even though my husband is fully capable of doing every single thing I can do. Sure. Like, so a few years ago, um, my youngest called me. I was at the gym. And she was getting ready for school, and she called me to tell me um, that she needed her water bottle filled. <laughs> I like, okay. I was like, "Your dad is at home." Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like what? <laughs> we can make that happen for you, but I, I'm not there. I'm not there. <laughs> yeah. I'm like, why? Why are you calling me? <laughs> don't call me. She has my phone. She had my phone yeah. number memorized at such an early age, and I'm like, I, I don't. I'm okay. <laughs> It's like how you respond. I don't know what do you want from me. Yeah, oh, so, kid. So yeah. That's that's nice. Go get daddy. Yeah, yeah. You know, yeah. um, but you know, moms just fix everything. Yeah. Well, we always joke about that in the car. The my husband will be driving. I'm in the driver's seat, and all three are in back. And it's like, mom, did you see that? Mom, at school today, mom. And then I I will turn literally turn around. Hey guys, you know, dad wants to hear these stories too. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like you like, but they just initiate the conversation with. Mom. mom. It's never, hey, Dad, did you see that eagle? Did mm-hmm. you see the bird over there? Mm-hmm. It's mom. It's like, right. why, why is it the default? I don't, I don't know. Mm-hmm. And I wasn't a stay-at-home mom. So it was also like, to me, it was like, how is that also, because they're not even with me. They're with us about the same amount of time. Mm-hmm. And, and I think so, it's the same for wacky yeah. moms, too. Yeah, for sure. Mm-hmm. It's a weird, that was always interesting to me. So I tried to implement some of that thought process mm-hmm. into into the kids but when I think that's why it's important to like get away so when I was taking press trips I was going on like two a year so I was gone for like you know multiple days in a row and then Ben my husband was the one that was at home and mm-hmm. so it was it was actually pretty good because um they all learned that they had to rely on dad and he can take care of them and everything will be just fine yeah um this is, I feel like I'm going to go on a tangent on this, yeah. but I think this is important to say. My husband and I have talked about this. Um, we have some good friends, and I don't want to pick on them at all, but the wife in the family has really set the family up to be that she likes that role. Like, I am the one that takes care of everything, mm-hmm. and it's very hard for their family when she's not there. Oh. Like, they had a family emergency, so she had to go be with her mom, and then it was a very stressful time for the dad because the kids wouldn't go to bed very well with him or they oh, wouldn't yeah. eat as well. It's like, and I think that is such a disservice to your family if you're not allowing or if you set it up that way. Like, I mm-hmm. think it's so important that both parents are partners in the journey of parenthood. Right, right. Yeah. Because there's two of you. Yeah. Well, and uh, actually, I always joke sometimes too, like, Matthew's a better parent anyway. <laughs> like, he is. Well, I mean, besides meals, he does, you know, yeah. like, I always tease him whenever I'm not home, the kids get eggs. But mm-hmm. other than that, he, he is, he's, he's a great parent and I never have mm-hmm. worried or never didn't see him as just as capable or just as, oh, you right. know, like. I know. Yeah. yeah. Same with Ben. Ben is perfectly capable, if not more. Yeah. <laughs> In some areas. Matthew was really good about the strictness thing. Like, you know, like, I would maybe sometimes give in on things. Oh, I, or... I totally give, I'm... Yeah. Matthew, no, nope. I mean, there was, it was... Yeah. That is why they come to me for... Maybe, maybe that's the key. Maybe that we just unlocked... There it is. Maybe that's That is it some is. of it, is that they can, like, they know that they can manipulate me. Mm-hmm. Um, but I don't think that's the case, because my mom could not be manipulated. <laughs> my mom wasn't like that, and I could never. I mean, I always went to my no. mom. I didn't go to my dad. One of the rules Matthew and I had pretty early, and we learned pretty quickly in parenthood, was um, if the child comes and asks something that you're like, I don't. I don't think that they're allowed to do that. We very quickly would be like, I don't know, go ask dad. Yes. Because it was one of those, I'm pretty sure we would say no to that. And it seemed like, yes. you know, they had made, they learned quickly. If dad says yeah. no, go ask mom. Yeah. Maybe mom yes. will say yes. And so it kind of became a game for a long time that we'd be like, go ask mom. Go right. ask dad. Go right. ask mom. And we would ping pong them back to the fourth till they got annoyed. And then so even to this day, we'll do it. And they're like, stop it. <laughs> it's like, but you know, I don't want to be the one that says no when no. you said yes. Right. Or yes. And you said no. And then I'm in trouble. Because we've done that where we yes. crossed that line where it's like, Sorry, I didn't know. <laughs> uh-huh. Yeah. No, I'll I'll usually say, well, I need to talk to Dad. Mm-hmm. No, you don't. Like, yeah. No, yeah, we do. Yeah, yep, I really do. 
Yeah. Well, we tend to, it's the thing where I'll say, okay, well, there's no, you know, friends or this until after the rooms are cleaned or the laundry gets put away or whatever. And then the next you thing You put I know, away your laundry? They put their own oh, laundry. Oh, okay. No, they put their own laundry away. No way. Do they actually put it away? They though? do. And do they know? got the little bed folder or like the shirt the Marie, folders. The Marie Kondo? Yeah. The folders. Yeah. I don't think that always works. But, and my daughter, she likes to roll all of her clothes. I don't care. But she's doing it. Yes. So we're, we're, we, yeah, we're working on that. But the, um, but all of a sudden you'll come home and they'll be doing something. And I'll be like, did the clothes get put away? He's like, he's like, I, I don't know. And then I realized, <laughs> yep, they had asked when dad came home because I had left for volleyball or whatever. And then they're like, can we, mm-hmm. um, have a snack or can we go out and play with our friends? And it's like, yeah, sure. Dang it. <laughs> like, oh. But that's, you know, that's part of kids and parenting. And yeah, that's I just should. life. I yeah. mean, you can't be on and you can't be perfect all the, t- all the time. And no. I think that is something that we have to like give ourselves a little bit of slack. I think on. that's very smart. So t- going back to executive assistant, what is one thing that you find that has been great about this phase of life? Um, they are really fun to talk to. Yeah. Yeah. Like, um, my daughter and I, were shopping well both of my daughters we were shopping with my sister and her daughter at the mall of america and kendall my middle and i broke off um and we were shopping just the two of us and it was one of these moments where i was like gosh like i really like shopping with you like this is actually very enjoyable yeah you know um my talking with my son brennan is he's a great conversationalist for a boy um Drives me crazy because he is me. He's like the boy version of me. Sure. And so sometimes he says and does things that I'm like, okay, I totally would have said and done the same thing at your age just to get a reaction. I know what you're doing. Yeah. <laughs> but, um, you know, it's he's really fun to talk to. So I think, you know, even though they were super cute when they were little and every once in a while, like I look back at that. I mean, Brennan is going into eighth grade this year and I'm a little sad because next year he's going into high school and I don't know how I got to this place. Yeah. It's a weird to see them also figure out they what they like, what they're good at, yes. what they don't like. Yeah, I love that our family has inside jokes or yeah. like we during during COVID we watched all the Marvel movies. Oh, and fun. so we're super into Marvel in our family. Yep. And so like when the new Thor movie came out this summer, it's like, we, we were all excited mm-hmm. for it. And then for like a week leading up to it, it was like every other joke out of our mouths was a quote from a different Marvel movie. Mm-hmm. or what, You know, like that kind of thing where it's like, you do start having these, I don't want to say adult, but just more mature moments with your kids mm-hmm. and conversations and fun ways to connect with them. And I do, I do like that a lot. Mm-hmm. I do worry that that will be short-lived just because... I grew up in a family um, where I felt like I was, I had great, good relationships with my parents, but I didn't have that type of relationship with my parents. Like, I wasn't, like, good friends with my parents, if that mm-hmm. makes sense. Mm-hmm. And I think there's a fine line, too, in that of being your kids' friends and being right. their parent. Mm-hmm. So maybe that's what it was for me and my parents, but I don't want to lose that, like, mm-hmm. where we all really enjoy being around each other. Yeah, and I, if my, I don't know how my parents were able to do it, because my mom, like, I was a swimmer, a competitive swimmer, and so we had to sometimes, wherever practice was, it was far away. So, like, we had 45 minutes in the car to drive, and that is another place where kids just open up, is the car. Yeah. They will just talk and talk and talk and talk. Um, And I remember doing the same thing with my mom, you know. Um, But she was always very good at, like, she's still the mom. Yeah, and you know yeah. what I mean. But no, I that's a... still felt like she was my friend, and I could depend on her for everything. Yeah. Um, and anything, but there were definitely things I would not tell her. <laughs> you yeah. know what I mean? Well, and there's, I think that's appropriate. I mm-hmm. think that there are things that we don't have to tell our parents. Um, but you know, little things like I have a crush on or whatever, or uh, that person made me feel that way or whatever. Yeah. But yeah. there are big things I would. The, I, the fear is that my kids wouldn't know where that line was. And right. then the big things that they would not want to tell me that I'm like, no, but you need to tell me that mm-hmm. stuff. And so trying to find that balance. It's, that is like, yes, that is the key. And that is hard. And I'm kind of at that. The best piece of advice I ever got was from a youth pastor when I first became a youth leader. And he said, he was like, no matter what happens, when one of the 
the youth is telling you something, do not react. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like, just listen. You just listen and do not have any reaction. And so I've carried that into parenting. That's genius. Because <laughs> it helps to not, you know. Yeah. Yeah. I think that that's a very important thing because I don't think we do that enough anyways. Mm-hmm. In general, to just even adults, like, just listen. Mm-hmm. I don't have to have a reaction. And I also don't have an opinion about what your opinion mm-hmm. is. You're allowed to have your opinion. And I can be okay with that. Mm-hmm. And just let that sit there. Right. That's a hard one for people, especially this mm-hmm. day and age. Well, and our kids are growing up in this culture, like... So this isn't the teacher in me coming out. The Our social media culture? Yes. They're oh. growing up in a world where they are able to talk to, make comments, and have reactions to things anonymously. As in, I can say whatever I want, and I don't get to see your reaction. I know. It's so and so, bad. therefore, I'm not learning that process of your body language, your visual cues of how that person's responding. And then, you know, quickly you can kind of change questions. Like, oh, this is not going well. I can, mm-hmm. I can save this yet. Or I can quickly apologize, like, oh, I'm sorry, I did not mean to put you in that position, Mm -hmm. versus our kids are just learning, I can say what I want, and there is no repercussion for that, and we noticed that hugely after COVID in the, like, in the middle, I worked in a middle school, that kids just came back, and it was really hard for them to be like, why are you responding, like, why are you, why are you mad, bro, like, it's Mm -hmm. like, because what you said is really inappropriate, and not okay, right, why is it not okay? Because it's hurtful or yeah, whatever it was. Right, right. But it's just that they are learning in a different mode of communication so that it's hard to it differentiate. Is, it's so hard. Oh, my gosh. And the, the technology, I know. I am a social media manager and influencer who does not allow her kids to use social media but or I, anything. Yeah, I, I have to lean in on the, I'm, I'm going <laughs> to, I don't think that's a bad thing. In the sense of, I think there is a... A maturation that has to happen for our kids before they can understand and do it effectively. Well, you're not like you're not fully your prefrontal cortex isn't even developed until you're like 25. That's right. So and like I uh, so the Netflix you know the Netflix documentary the yes. social dilemma. Yes. I've had both of my oldest have watched it, um, and they get it, but like we have to you know they're. I have to explain to my son because, so he has a Gab phone, which it looks like a smartphone, but it is a dumb phone. It does yeah. not have any social media or internet access on it whatsoever. He could try to take it apart and put and like add stuff to it, but you really can't. Like Gab Wireless has figured out how to do this. Yes. Um, and he's like, I'm just like, get made fun of and blah, blah, blah. And it's like, well, I'm so, this is the hill I am going to die on. Yeah. And I just, I won't compromise on this because I feel like bullying happens on there. Like, image issues happen on there. Like, I can't, can you imagine being a teenager and having social media? I would have, like, I don't know what I would have done. No, we talk about this a lot. My middle schoolers in my homeroom, they would, they come in one day and they've had um, uh, an immediate interaction with a student that has caused them stress. And they're, they're upset about it. And then they go through their whole day with them in their space, in their space at school. We used to go home and get reprieve. We would go home and I could stop thinking about that person because I'm not on their bus. And when I got home, I'd have to deal with them. But now these kids from even the second they leave school and they're on Snapchat and they're on Mm -hmm. Insta and they're on TikTok and they're on 15 other apps I don't even know about anymore, that they're constantly now still seeing that person, being interacting with that person or their other minions of that person coming at them 24 seven. So mm-hmm. they're then coming back the next day to school, still in that same position. They didn't mm-hmm. get any break from it. And that's heartbreaking to me mm-hmm. that we don't, they don't unplug from that mm-hmm. stressor. Mm-hmm. And the, the phone companies, the carriers do not make it no. easy at all well, because it's so easy to just walk in and just, Oh yeah, I want to add my kid to my plan. Okay. Right. $15. Here's a fancy phone. Have fun. Because we had to get our son a phone because there are no pay phones. Yeah, yeah. You know, and we held out for a very, very long time. And I finally had to say to my husband, who's so, so old school. I was like, look, like he needs a phone. Like he has, he has to be able to get in touch with us. Yeah. Like you have to give in and yeah. we need to do this. So like, fine. Then you need to figure out. I was like, fine. I will figure out a way. Yeah. 
to do this. We're thing. in the same boat that we. So my daughter's going in seventh grade. And she still doesn't have a phone, but now she's homeschooled. Oh, I feel yeah. like we, because our goal was to get to ninth grade. Like we wanted to mm-hmm. get for them to high school before mm-hmm. we can start slowly introducing and getting them into stuff. But I told my husband at one point when we were still in the public school system that I'm like, it gets to a point where she's spending more time away from us than with us. She'll need a phone. Like I can't drop her off at an activity mm-hmm. and have another parent drop her somewhere and then have to get a ride home and not have a way of getting hold of us. Right. If she's having to borrow a phone every time mm-hmm. she's going out to get a hold of us or text us or let us know, then we, we'll we have to, you know. Gab wireless. Yeah. Good to know. <laughs> I'll link that in the show notes. Sorry. Yes. Yeah. I'm not like sponsored yeah. by them Yet. or anything. Yet. No. Well, <laughs> they don't know who I am, but I love them. Yeah. But that's what it is. And um, my sister-in-law also, I thought, had a pretty good... Um, uh, response to this or a thought for us. So she has a daughter who's going to be um, in high school this year too. Um, she They have a house phone. So they have a smart, it was unfortunately a smartphone, but $15 a line, whatever, mm-hmm. you get a phone. And it's literally in their room, but mm-hmm. the number, she their daughter can give to her friends right. so they can text. So if the text goes off, then, you know, oh, it's is, in the house only. And then smart. when they go to camp for a week, she could take the phone for camp, but mm-hmm. they don't have any apps on it. And so it is truly a dumb phone because they don't mm-hmm. use it. And then the kids can just check it throughout the day. That is really there. smart because we have, we have like a, a VoIP, a, mm-hmm. you know, um, but it acts as a house phone. Yeah. It acts as like an old school phone. So you can't text. Yeah. Which, I mean, that's how kids communicate. That's how they communicate. Yep. Well, I will say that was the other linchpin to me is I don't want my kid to not have friends because she's not able to communicate. I know. So mm-hmm. when we got her her Chromebook when she came home from for schooling, uh, we put Facebook Kids Messenger mm-hmm. on there. Yeah. So that's her. And then through Alexa, she can talk yep. to people. So mm-hmm. those are the two access points she has to her friends outside of mm-hmm. being there physically. But it's like we were noticing that friends all the time were like, they she wanted to give them our number and then they would text us. And then we had one of her friends just nonstop, and most of my husband and I were like, "We're not answering anymore. We're done." Like it just, she was we're on vacation, and they knew called. we were oh all the time. And she would, ta- "Can you just have Bryn call me?" She was very sweet. She really wanted you know to make this lovely connection. But you also know that we were on vacation. Like we told you, we're leaving, and we'll see you in a week. And you know, like so. But that's how kids are. They want that yes. connection all the time. But that's where it was. Okay, I can't give up my phone. I didn't want right. my kid because we were never parents that gave our kids our cell phones to play with no, ever. We yeah. were just not those parents. Um, so that was one of those two of like, I just don't want you to get used to using my phone. So I liked this idea of, of there being a house phone that I still get to be in control of that I allow you to borrow to mm-hmm. talk to a friend or to call to make a plan. Or maybe if there's an event, like I said, my sister-in-law sends her daughter to camp for a week. They do need to be in touch during that week. Mm-hmm. So they let her take that the phone. That makes sense. Yeah. So that... That's another kind of elegant solution to that if you're willing to be a little more ownership of the phone. Yes. I like that too. So we've talked about taking time for yourself and social media. Yes. You know, in parenting nowadays, I don't know if there's a way to not have that kind of conversation, right? But it all goes in together because you can't like, you can't focus on yourself as a mom if you Mm. have the weight of the world on your shoulders and you feel, and this parenting and nobody has parented in this age where nope. their kids have grown up having access to everything. Well, to me, the access means influence. So it's mm-hmm. who's influencing your kids. And if you're willing to say, here's social media and anybody yes. can have influence over you now, or as a parent, am I still holding that line a little bit of, I want our, the influence to still come within our home body first, mm-hmm. and then we'll start letting those pieces come at the right times. Mm-hmm. I know. It's it's so hard. I, I always I always think of YouTube because I hate YouTube. I love it for myself. Mm-hmm. I can't stand it for kids because yeah. they just, they don't get it. I mean, and it just, and I always tell my kids when they're watching it, I'm like, because they'll want, you know, the next greatest toy. Yeah, of course. You know, and I'm like, they're, why are, why are they making this video? They're making it to make money. How do they make money? Because we're watching it with views. I'm like, yes. Yeah. And you're getting all that. But that's, you're right. This is a whole other generation that we've never had to think about that. Um, so in that phase of um, executive assistant, what do you anticipate is going to be next then? After executive assistant? Yeah. Oh, my gosh. I don't know because I'm going to be in this for such an empty nester. Oh, maybe. I guess that's 
inevitable, right? Well, I don't know because so because don't you kids in high school feel like they maybe they take a little more ownership of their well, schedule? Well, they do. They do because yeah. they'll start driving. Yeah. I don't. I don't really know. Then are you just a financial advisor at that point? Oh, I like that. Or like a like uh, the CFO. Yeah. <laughs> That's a really good one. <laughs> Chief financial officer of your family. But I also think there's got to be something to do with um, being a cheerleader, too. Yes. Because at that point, you, I would hope, as a mom, my goal, again, is I want them to consistently have these opportunities to... Well, and that is, that's the thing. And I say that always with, like, me before mom. Like, if I have done my job correctly, my children will leave the nest... And they are going to contribute to the good of society. Yeah. And what is going to happen to me? I'll hopefully continue to also contribute positively and, to society, right? Right. Like, and and I need to still be investing in myself and yeah. who I am. Yeah. And so I think part of making that process of letting them go easier is to do it incrementally as mm-hmm. they get older. Yeah. And so it is kind of letting go yeah well it's interesting how each phase of that still requires us to have all those pieces of having people who support us and having that time to take care of ourselves to know what we want and what we are good at one of the things you brought up in the the book was to know yourself and you had really encouraged um other women to look at what are the things that you're like um, what kind of lights your fire? What's your, what's your passion? Yes, I love that. Like the like, um, I mean, being an avid reader. Yes, <laughs> yeah. Just like you know, but I also have found that that can change season to season. Oh, for sure. So that's the thing too. It's like I think sometimes we will pin ourselves into, oh, I'm a crafter, and then all of a sudden you you lose that excitement. You just it's just not mm-hmm. light your fire anymore. It's mm-hmm. like. Okay, so then what's the next thing? And but it what could are be you? that you're, not necessarily that you're a crafter, but you like making. Yeah. Like you're a maker. Yeah, which can change. Like, so I'm into woodcrafting yes. or... I'm, I'm yeah. making something. Or even if you are, like, you're a reader, maybe you're a connoisseur of stories. Yeah. Oh, I like that. Yeah. You know? Maybe yeah. you don't have the time to sit and read, but you can listen. Yes. Podcasts yeah. are great. Pod- podcasts. <laughs> Conversational podcasts are the best. They are the best. <laughs> it's like having a cup of coffee with your friends. That's right. But no, I agree with that because that's, I do feel like there's been times when it's like the things that I have felt um, that I really like or the things that even I felt that I'm good at or, you know, are kind of in my wheelhouse mm-hmm. that can, you know, fall apart or feel like that's not breathing life into me right now. So is it... I need to change that or look at it from a different lens. And just like even what you said, um, there's seasons when I'm kind of a, we call it kind of like, um, I'm in a book rut. Like Mm -hmm. I'm not really into, Mm -hmm. there's nothing I'm really reading that I'm excited about, but my podcast list right now is off the charts. Like my TV TV is, you know, to be, to be read list is really low, but my podcast list is huge. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And it's the same thing. You just, it's a learning thing. You know what I mean? Like I would say that you are an avid learner. Yeah. You want to continually learn. Yeah. Maybe I should expand the book and talk about that more too. Would you consider writing a second book as the different seasons of motherhood have changed? Yeah, I think so. I, that's actually a very good question because I, um, have thought about, gosh, it was a long time ago that I wrote me before mom and I paid Kendall, my middle daughter, like a quarter, an afternoon to occupy the littlest. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) So I could write and get things done. And now things have totally changed. And I knew when I was writing it, because my editor would say like, you know, try to make things a little more general. And I'm like, well, I only know what I know. Right. Um, and so, yeah, I think I, I do plan on like updating it and adding in more like, executive mom yeah executive assistant I like that I like that because I feel like that role is so like when you say that people have a really good understanding of what that role is because you're more than a chauffeur right well (laughs) but do you know what I mean when people say mom that role can look so Mm -hmm. uh, ambiguous to people but when you say executive assistant and if you're thinking of it in a fortune 500 I know exactly what that person's doing yes they're doing everything right everything is funneled through her right so in my brain when you put that in the context of what a mom it's like oh now 
I don't know, you can have a little more sympathy or empathy yes. maybe for those who aren't in that role or you go, you are sucked right back into it if your role is done. Like if you as a mm-hmm. mom now, maybe you're in the grandmother role, maybe that comes back around. I don't know. That's a whole I other. Don't, I don't think it does. Because you get to, I don't know. My mother-in-law used to always say that grandchildren were like your was your reward. Yeah. For getting to yeah. the other side. I don't think I've ever met a grandmother that doesn't feel like that's the best yes. role, or that they really enjoy that. I'm sugaring up and sending them back to you. I know, right? <laughs> oh, here you go. My mom loves to say like no rules at grandma's house. Yes. <laughs> it's like, very true. Yeah, I know. Yeah, no. And my mom, even when she's come here, because my mom was who lives 13 hours away, she was phenomenal. She came during COVID when I was, because I was trying to teach and our school was hybrid and my kid's school wasn't hybrid and then they were home when I wasn't home. There was just oh all these goodness. back and forth because we were in different districts. It was awful. But my mom came. She was fantastic. And I remember her doing some of those pieces even in our home when I'm trying to keep our schedule and our life. Keep going. Like She's sitting there like folding their laundry and I'm like, no. No. And I remember getting into a little tip with her. I'm like, and I didn't mean it mean, but it's like, but I get, I love that you're here, but this is our normal day. They need to still do those chores. And mm-hmm. so, and I think she just wants to be a grandma. I want to love up on them. Mm-hmm. And I probably should have let it go and let her love on them. But, but yeah, I, I, yeah, I understand. I totally understand. Yeah. Oh, kids. I love kids. Yeah. But I, they are the bane of my existence. At the same time. They can be. <laughs> but that's part of the growth process for them. They have to be. They have to mm-hmm. go through those stages and we have to be able to refine them or give them that sanding down of that attitude. And or it that... refines us. Yeah. Oh, for sure. You know what I mean? Like, I feel like I'm a lot, I'm more mellow now <laughs> Yeah. than I was before, yeah. you know? Like... The big issues that I thought were big issues before I became a mom are not big issues yeah. at all. Well, they said, too, like, the first kid, big issues versus the third kid, big issues. I know, right? You know, like, the whole different, oh, yeah. it's a whole other world from being a first kid. But um, when we talk about motherhood, I feel like I keep bringing in parenthood. Do you distinguish between those two? I, I think you have to. Okay. Because, I mean, it's just it's just like what we were talking about with the difference between mom and dad. Yeah. You know, yeah. There's a difference in who in who the kids tend to go to. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know if it's a same sex. Yeah. Couple. If if I would assume that there would be those roles. I'm assuming that each um, partner would have a uh, a niche. Yeah. But I also find that that even in um, like my between my husband and I the niche that we fill with our kids is different too because like I said my daughter is so much more like my husband she mm-hmm. tends to look for him for certain things versus my son he's a kind of traditional mama's boy and he yeah. looks to me for certain things so I imagine even within a same-sex couple there would be that niche for each person I, yeah, and their role within that and mm-hmm. that relationship with that kid and I'm a big big fan of non-traditional marriage roles of like mm-hmm. up until this year when I re- when I quit teaching my husband did all the laundry. I mean, hundred percent all the laundry since we've been married. My husband does all of the grocery shopping. Yeah. So like, and I'm that's amazing. But we come into marriage going, oh, but my mom did this and my dad did this, so you should, you know. Mm-hmm. So, but I think that that's important because then as parents, our kids see us contributing to our household. We always call ourselves a team. Like, all right, team, let's go. That's to mm-hmm. me. That's who we are. We are all in this together. Mm-hmm. Yeah. My daughter is um, eleven, and so we've made her um, mow the lawn. Yeah. Now. And she's like, but it's Brennan's job. And I'm like, oh no, sweetheart. No. Everybody participates. Everybody does it. And I started mowing the lawn when I was 11 and I had no brothers. Yeah. So you're welcome. Yeah. <laughs> I'm getting um, better. My daughter brought this up because she actually enjoys sous chefing for me. Or oh, like, yeah. Actually, we'll reverse. Like, I let her be the chef and I will, like, so she kind of directs everything and I just kind of clean up after her as we oh, go. Oh, that's cool. Um, and so she's the one that brought that up that I tend to call for her when I need, like, hey, chop for the salad. Like, oh, I need yeah. you to chop. And she's like, you know, Lael can do that too. And I'm like, you are very right. And so she's kind of called me out on that. of like, yep, so I've been doing better about calling in my son. Because in my head it was, oh, he's not quite old enough for, mm-hmm. you know, and I know she enjoys it. But it's like, you know what? No, he needs that experience mm-hmm. And too. we do the, I do the same thing. Yeah. Like, I, I depend on my middle Mm-hmm. daughter Kendall because she's the one who's responsible mm-hmm. and yeah will usually just do things yep you know yeah well and that's the whole thing with the oldest to the youngest 
age and mm -hmm. who does what, that's a hard thing too. But I really appreciate the thought process of looking at, as a mom, how we can still take care of ourselves. And I think part of that is leveraging our kids to help. Too. Yes, yes. Mm -hmm. So that we're and not getting, taking that burden. For sure. And I think you need to get rid of the mom guilt too. I yeah. think that is like the huge thing. Like, I always like to think about like the stuff that my mom did and whether or not it really affected me that much. Like I, I, it's an, it's kind of a silly example, but I loved when my mom would put me to bed as a kid. Mm -hmm. Um, but whenever Northern Exposure was on yeah. those nights, she did not put us to bed. Sure. Cause she was watching Northern Exposure. My dad had to put us to bed. I didn't like it, <laughs> but I am okay. <laughs> yeah. And I am still very close to my mom. Yeah. But that's funny that, yeah, that she's allowed to have that time to yeah. herself too. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And as kids, they don't understand that. But I think um, it's good for our kids. I always really appreciate that our kids are like, well, where's dad? Well, he's on a run right now. Mm -hmm. Or like, he's doing this. Where's mom? She's playing volleyball. Or she's at Bible study. Mm -hmm. Like, they also need to see a well-rounded life. That they do. That are seeing us do those things that fill us mm -hmm. and... So I think that's a good example for the kids to... It is, 100%. Yeah. I think, yeah, it's all about, really, it's about, I think, it's this forward-thinking attitude of being able to to see where you're going and anticipate what the, I guess, uh, obstacles might be there. Yeah. Yeah. And that's hard to do, but I think... You have laid it out very well, and I'm really encourage anybody to go read the book because you do a nice job of talking about knowing yourself, knowing how to leverage people around you, knowing um, what you can and can't, like, to be able to be the best version for you so that you can really help those around you. Mm -hmm. I love the idea, like, you always talk about with the um, uh, air mask. What's yes. The, the oxygen, oxygen mask. mask air mask yeah that's I think that was I kind of always click screen when you say that like yeah. the oxygen mask that you can't I can't help anybody else unless mine's already that's, on that's what they say I know well it makes sense though it does yeah. you can't you can't you can't pour from an empty vessel you absolutely yeah. cannot and yet we try all the time we do well I really appreciate you being here and sharing and thank thinking. you and I really hope you as you move forward and as you write the second book, uh, <laughs> I, I hope I you come back and I want to know about it. I would love to have another conversation with you in the future. It'd be great. Yes, that's awesome. Thank you so much. Cool. Well, thanks for coming in. Yep. Again, I just need to say thank you so much, Bert, for coming in, sharing about motherhood. I, I'm with you. This executive assistant stage that we're both in, it's rewarding it's challenging and I just I'm so excited for all the stages of motherhood that everybody is in and I hope that you find this conversation encouraging please I really suggest you check out her book me before mom there are links in the show notes um, to get that information of where you can find to purchase her book and yeah I hope you guys will tune in next week I have another great conversation coming up so everybody have a wonderful week and we'll see you soon bye